If you guys have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2. And it's now a time of year where school started and it's September, which I know kind of feels like bad news. But I think it is good news because of the fact that it means we're getting closer to Christmas. I think Christmas, who's with me? I think Christmas is the best time of the year, right? I don't think there's much debate about that. My birthday is five days before Christmas, so I have that to look forward to, too. I mean, it is the best time of year, Christmas. And I don't know exactly how your family does, like, Christmas gifts, but I'm guessing, I'm guessing you can probably relate to that feeling when you guys were growing up, what it was like to wake up on Christmas morning. The amazing feeling knowing that there are Christmas presents under the tree. There is a present with your name on it under the tree. And if you have siblings, I'm guessing you can probably remember times growing up where if you were the first one in the morning to wake up, you would run through the house and you would go and find your sister and you would wake her up. Or you would find your brother and wake him up. Or you would find your dog and wake him up and say, it's Christmas morning. Wake up. And I, I can remember that feeling even myself growing up Christmas morning where there would be a stocking that was filled with presents from Santa who had the same handwriting as my mom, which I never quite figured out. But as a kid, it always seems like there's something so exciting, right, about Christmas morning and, and about the fact that it actually was Christmas Day. And it was a fact that was so important that you felt like you had to tell everyone that you could find around you. They had to know it's Christmas Day. Listen up, hurry up, wake up. Today is Christmas. It was a fact that everyone needed to know, even if it was only 5.30 in the morning. Uh, one of the reasons the Bible is such a wonderful book, one of the reasons we should treasure the book of the Bible is because in it we find facts, uh, true facts, a message from God of good news. In his word, God has spoken and he's given truth that we need to know for our lives. God has given us important, exciting, joyful facts about who he is, about ourselves, about the future, about forgiveness, and about life. The Bible is filled with a message of good news, even way better than Christmas morning kind of good news. And if we're listening careful to the Bible, the Bible is telling us, wake up, listen to this news, hear these facts that are so good for you to hear. It is filled with a message of good news from God that the world needs to hear. And the world needs to listen to it. The message of good news from God stands out especially in these verses in Acts chapter 2 that we're going to look at this morning. And the book of Acts that we've begun to study together is a sequel. It's a part two of, of two books written by this man named Luke. In his first book, Luke wrote about the life of Jesus. He wrote about the life and the death and the resurrection and the teachings of Jesus. 
It was a book filled with good news. And now in Acts, he's writing about what happened after Jesus rose from the grave and went into heaven. It had only been here in these beginning verses of the book of Acts about 50 days since Jesus had risen from the grave. But the story of Jesus is not over. The story of Jesus doesn't just belong in history. It's something that would continue on, that would go on to change the world in God's plan. In Acts, we read about the beginning of the church when God gave his Holy Spirit to bring the message of the gospel to the whole world starting in Jerusalem. And written down for us here in chapter 2 is the first sermon preached by the apostle of Jesus named Peter. Peter, who is now filled with the Holy Spirit, is powerfully telling the crowds of people in the city of Jerusalem good news that God wants them to hear for their lives. He has an important message, facts that they need to know, that they need to wake up and listen to, that everyone who hears needs to respond to about Jesus. The people here needed to hear the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus could do for their lives. They need to know about Jesus. And the same message comes to us this morning as we look at these verses in this book. Here is a message of good news about Jesus that is meant for us to hear and to respond to. This is a message of of good news from God himself. And he's calling us to, to wake up and to listen and to know that God has given us a message of very good news. A big idea we could, we could find from these verses is this, that God wants us to understand the truth about Jesus and to be saved by Jesus. God wants us to understand the truth about Jesus, and he wants us to be saved by Jesus. We see that for our lives in these verses. Here are important facts, good news from God that he wants us to respond to. And I love these verses because they show us God's desire for us to know about his son, Jesus, and to know that we can find eternal life through believing in him. Let's read from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Peter, in his sermon, says this, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of Jesus, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life, 
you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not, for was it not David? For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Lord, these are uh, amazing words Words that tell us about forgiveness of sins. Words that tell us about your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that your spirit would work in our hearts even now to show us the truth about Jesus and to work in us to bring about conviction and, and even to save some who don't know you. Thank you, God, for your message here this morning for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We could look at these verses just with really two, I think, pretty simple parts, and they come right from our big idea. And here's the first part that we should look at. God wants us to understand the truth about Jesus. This is in uh, the sermon from Peter here, verses 22 all the way down to verse 36. God here, through Peter, is helping us know about Jesus. Peter is preaching a sermon here only days after Jesus had died on the cross and then had risen and had ascended into heaven. 
Everyone would remember this. It would be fresh on their minds what had happened with Jesus. And now God was going to work out a plan to bring this message about Jesus to the world. And here we find kind of the very beginning of that, the very spark that would start a fire of the gospel going to the whole world. Acts verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 8, tells us that the Holy Spirit, who is God, the third person of the Trinity, God was going to come and give power to Jesus' disciples so that they would spread the message about Jesus to the world. And now here in chapter 2, we see that happening. First, the, the gospel was going to go to Judea, that area around Jerusalem. And here we see that the many people had come to Jerusalem from all over the world for the celebration of Pentecost. And God's plan was that the Jewish people here would hear about Jesus. They needed to know the message about who Jesus really was. And so Peter here is in the middle of a sermon about the amazing person of Jesus. And you can see that's what his message was all about. Look at verse 22. He says, men of Israel, listen to these words, Jesus, the Nazarene. That's really Peter's big idea for his sermon. It's about Jesus, the Nazarene. People would have known about Jesus. They'd heard about him. Everyone was probably still talking about these amazing events that had happened only days before this. They would remember the miracles that Jesus had done all throughout the land of Israel. And now Peter is, is telling them about who Jesus is. And as we look at these verses of his sermon, we won't look at all the details because there's a lot there, a lot that would probably blow our minds and just be kind of confusing. There's some tricky verses there. But I think as we look through these verses, there's a few things about Jesus that, that he really drives home that they need to hear. And first, we find this about Jesus in verse 22. Peter says that Jesus was a man who lived among the people of this world. He was a man who really did live here on this earth, who dwelt among us. He was somebody that everyone had witnessed miracles from. And it was noticeable that Jesus had power from God. If we read the stories of the Gospels, we can find out how Jesus had healed sick people. He had done miracles to turn water into wine. Jesus had power over nature. Jesus had power over demons. Jesus even had power over death. And everyone knew it, even those who were rejecting Jesus, verse 22 tells us. So Peter wanted them to know that Jesus is a man, but he also, second, verse 23, wanted them to know that Jesus was put to death. He was nailed to a cross. Again, they remembered this well. They were right there only a few weeks before as they saw Jesus put on a cross. Some were listening and and knew that they were guilty of putting Jesus on the cross, this innocent man. He had been falsely called a criminal. He had been treated unjustly, and he was crucified on the cross. And listening that day, everyone could tell you, yes, Jesus really did live, and he really did die on a cross. And all of this, 
Peter says, was part of God's plan. Yes, there were uh, Roman authorities who were able to put Jesus on the cross. And yes, there were uh, Jewish rulers who hated Jesus and wanted him crucified, and they carried that out. But behind the scenes the whole time was God. This was a plan of God, that Jesus would live and that Jesus would die on the cross. But then third, there's another thing to see about Jesus here, and it's this in verse 24, which tells us that God raised him up from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen and he is alive. He overcame death. And Peter here starts to show how this was all part of God's plan. He even brings in King David there in verses 25 through 28, really all the way down to verse 35. He's talking about David. Now, if we know anything about David, we know that he lived way before the time of Jesus. He's like an Old Testament guy, right? David lived almost a thousand years before Jesus. But Peter says, David spoke ahead of the resurrection of Jesus. Even way back in his day, he had received a promise from God that in the future, God would send a king who would rule forever on his throne. And David spoke ahead in in some of the Psalms there that are quoted about Jesus in the future. That's telling us that God had this in his plan the whole time. That Jesus would come and that he would live and that he would die and that he would be raised from the dead. And now there's a fourth thing to see in Peter's sermon and it's Really, this last piece that in verse 33, Jesus was exalted in heaven to be at the right hand of God. Jesus did not stay in the grave like everyone else that's ever lived. Jesus rose from the grave and ascended to be with his Father in glory in heaven. And that's where Jesus is even today. He is risen, he is alive. The people here, the Jewish men needed to know that Jesus lived and he died and he rose from the grave and he is now in heaven. That was important for them to know. You know, I would say that I'm Ryan from Nebraska. Or you might say I'm so-and-so from uh, Santa Clarita or Reno or Pacoima. I don't know where you're from. Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth. But Jesus was not just Jesus of Nazareth. He was not just an ordinary person. Jesus was God's son. He was God's promised savior of the world. Jesus is Christ. He is Lord. And God was behind every part of the story of Jesus. Jesus is Lord and Christ, he says in verse 36. And the people needed to know this and to understand this well. And they were in danger of continuing to miss the truth about Jesus. To them, Jesus was fake. To them, Jesus was just an an ordinary guy from Nazareth. 
They needed to know that Jesus was God's sent Messiah. He was God's son who humbled himself and came and lived and died and rose, and he now lives in glory. And just think about that. God wants us to know, as we read these verses, those truths about Jesus. You know, these truths were important for these men to know, but they're also very important for each of us to know about Jesus. The story about Jesus is a story about God's love for this world, for people who are sinners. He sent his son so that the world would be saved. Those who believe in him could be rescued. Sent by God in love, he lived a perfect life. He lived without sin. And then he suffered and died on a cross in the place of sinners. He took the penalty of judgment upon himself that sinners deserved so that we could be forgiven. Romans 5.8 talks about this. It says that God demonstrates, he shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. I wonder if you know that important fact about Jesus. I wonder if you know these truths about Jesus. You know, he's not just somebody who belongs among important history figures like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. No, Jesus is Lord. He is God. And he deserves to be treated that way in each of our lives. God wants us to understand the truth about Jesus And then there's a part two we can see from these verses here in Acts, and that's that God also wants us to be saved by Jesus. God wants us to be saved by faith in Jesus. And this is in verses 37 all the way to the end of the chapter. Look at verse 37. He says, Now when they heard this, when they heard the truth about Jesus, they were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. The people that heard this news about Jesus that day were guilty. They were guilty because they had been the ones who put Jesus on the cross. They had rejected Jesus in the way they treated him. And now that means that they were enemies of God. They had now come to understand who Jesus really was. He is Lord and he is Christ. He is the everlasting King And when they realized this, verse 37 says they were pierced to their hearts. That means they felt in their hearts a guilty conscience. They felt conviction over the fact that they had lived as enemies of God. This was the worst kind of situation anybody could be in, to be an enemy of God, and such an enemy that they would even put to death his own son. And Peter had helped them to see that they really were enemies of this Christ, of Jesus. They deserved his judgment. 
And there was no taking back what they had already done in sinning against God. I love these words from a pastor who lived long ago. He says, the kindest friend, really the best friend, is one who tells me how much danger I am in. Peter that day was being a friend, telling them about the danger that they were in. You could think of it like this. uh, If you are a big skateboarder, let's say you're a skateboarder. Anybody skateboarder? Caleb is. Yeah, some of you guys are. Let's say you're a skateboarder and you're riding down a hill uh, going really fast, but then there comes a turn. And you don't really know what's around the turn, but you're moving pretty fast and you might just, might just as well take that turn without stopping. But along comes a friend and he says, wait, stop. You need to know that there's a cliff around the corner. Stop, get off your skateboard. You could say that that person would be the kindest friend. They would be a friend that basically saved your life. You'd probably say, dude, you saved my life. Thank you. Well, Peter this day was being the kindest friend. He was telling them about the situation they were in because of their sin against God. They were enemies of God. And their friend Peter told them a truth that was hard to hear, but they needed to hear. They were headed towards judgment. And you know, the Bible's clear with us. This isn't just these men that day. This is all of us in this situation. We too, each of us, are born in sin. And that means we are born as enemies of God because of our sin. Romans 3, you probably know that verse. It says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of our sin in every thought, every word, every deed that has disobeyed God, we are under God's judgment. We are flying down a hill faster than any skateboarder could ever go towards judgment. We are headed towards a penalty of death because of our sin before God. And the people that day felt that in their heart. They felt that in their conscience. And they said, what shall we do? That's a really good question. I wonder if you've ever felt that in your conscience. You know, if you've sinned against God, which I know you have, we all have, you need to be pierced to the heart. You need to know that you have offended God because of your sin. You need to know that you are going towards judgment quickly. And you also need to ask with these people, what shall we do? You know, the truth is there was nothing that they could do. The deeds of sin had already been done. And there's nothing that we can do to get ourselves out of sin on our own. We can't cover up sin or, or hide sin before God. He knows all. There were no good works that they could do to outweigh the bad works that they had done. There was no way that they could get rid of their guilt. They had rejected Jesus, and the only way to be saved was to, verse 38 says, repent. How could they be saved? 
It was through believing in Jesus. They needed to come to Jesus to turn. That's what repent means, to turn away from their sin and to look to Jesus who could save them. Jesus who came and died on the cross. Jesus who lived the perfect life that they did not live. They needed to look to Jesus who rose from the grave and is alive and can save all those who come to him. Verse 38, they were told to repent. Verse 40, they, uh, Peter says to them, be saved. That was the message for them. Be saved. That's God's message for all of us. Be saved. Repent to turn away from your sin and to look to Jesus and, and to turn to him and to look to him in faith. There's no works that we can do to make ourselves right before God. It's the work that Jesus already did on the cross. And what's the result of that? Verse 38 says, it's the forgiveness of sins. God takes away sins of those who call out to him and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. If they would believe in him, they would be saved. And they, like every true Christian, would receive the Holy Spirit And they would now have a life that was characterized by obedience to God. They would now have a life of of obedience that would look like them being baptized. That's what he's talking about there when he says being baptized in verse 38. That's not to say, you know, you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's a work that could never save. He's saying be baptized because your sins have already been forgiven through faith in Jesus. Apart from any work of their own, God would save them if they would call to him, if they would believe in Jesus. And the result was now that here in these final few verses all the way to the end, that they would get to be part of the church. This was the beginning of God's people called the church. And I won't get into all the details of everything there, but There's one word that really stands out to me uh, that I think describes these verses well about the church, about those who had been saved. And it's in verse 46 at the end. It says that they had gladness. If there's one word that I think really describes well being a Christian, being a part of a church, it's gladness. It's gladness to know that your sins are forgiven. It's gladness to know that you have eternal life with God forever. It's gladness to know that you now have a life that's not about yourself, but that's living for God the way you were meant to live. And that's what we see here in those early days of the church. In Acts chapter 2, really here we are just getting a good news message. It's a message That's not just for the people of that day, but verse 39 says it's for all who are far off. It's for as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. This message of good news about Jesus and that you can be saved by Jesus is a message that God wants not just the people back then to hear, but he wants you to hear. He wants you to know the truth about Jesus and to receive Jesus as Lord, to repent, and to be saved by Jesus. 
I think when I step back and, and when I think about these verses, really what here I see is, is God's love. God wants you to know about his son, Jesus. He wants you to know that you can be saved from your sins, forgiven through repenting and believing in Jesus. And if we're listening here, these words today are telling you, if you don't know Christ, wake up, listen up. You need to know there is good news about Jesus, that we can be saved, and it is through turning to faith, to Jesus in faith. I hope you know that message. I hope you're pierced to your heart when you hear about Jesus and about how he can save you from your sin and that God wants that for your life. Christ, thank you for dying for our sins. Of those who believe in you, Jesus, you uh, have uh, taken away our sins and you've given us the hope of eternal life. Thank you, God, that you love us, that you've shown your love for us. Thank you, God, that uh, you sent your son Jesus so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, this is good news, and I pray that there would be no student who stays asleep or uh, doesn't respond to that good news message. Thank you for your love and giving us that news this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.